Welcome to Fresh Start, a podcast for young and new insolvency professionals. My name is Gabrielle Palmer. I'm a bankruptcy and restructuring attorney at Onsager Fletcher Johnson Palmer in Denver, Colorado. And I am also the special projects lead of the ABI's Young and New Members Committee. I'm excited to kick off the Young and New Members Committee's first podcast episode with our first guest, Carlene Archer. My conversation with Carlene today may hit home with many of you in our post-pandemic world. For the last several years, the new generation of insolvency professionals have been faced with significant challenges that have required us to balance work and life between the same four walls. I don't know about you all, but I do not always do that well. It's only Tuesday, but this is already a week where I have really struggled to juggle all of my obligations. So I'm excited to hear from Carlene, who has presented at ABI events in the past on well-being and how important it is to take care of ourselves if we want to be effective and competent advocates. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Carlene, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. To start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what it is that you do? Sure. Um, So I've kind of been all over the place, and that's a little bit what I'm going to talk about today. Um, I went to Boston College Law School and practiced in Boston for um, for Wilmer Hale for about four years um, and then practiced at Bradley Aaron in Nashville for, again, about three to four years. Um, I spent two years at legal aid here um, in Syracuse, New York. Um, I took uh, about 10 months off recently. Um, I've got two little kids, which we'll talk about a little bit too. And um, now I am compliance manager for Skylight Lending, which does um, consumer solar lending. Um, so I've, I've kind of done it all from uh, commercial restructuring and bankruptcy litigation to consumer litigation on a national level. I've done consumer bankruptcy compliance, um, your normal like financial services, compliance and remediation. Um, and now I'm a little bit less on restructuring, um, but still on compliance. I think once a bankruptcy lawyer, always a bankruptcy lawyer. So uh, so that's where I am right now. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your background, Farleen. <laughs> so over the last several years, it sounds like you've gone through a lot of career changes. And I understand from our conversations that part of that stems from um, just changes that you've realized need to be made in order to support your mental well-being. Is that the case? Yes, a, a lot of it, a lot of that is true. So I think originally, um, you know, we, we had talked about, I don't now remember what my views for my career had been back in, you know, 2013, 2014, um, now 10 years ago, um, because things have changed so much. And now, you know, every year or a couple of years, I've had to adjust what I think my life is going to look like for a number of different reasons. Um, so I had met my husband back when I was practicing in big law, um, and I a little bit had to follow him. He was matched into a fellowship program for his um, surgery training down in Nashville. And so, you know, I had to be honest with myself after that move about what did I want for my life and what did I really like and what was it that I wanted to follow. So as my career moved forward and his career moved forward and we had um, small children, I had to kind of be honest with myself um, about what what it was that I wanted my life to look like. 
Um, and I think that's really important for our profession um, that there's so much pressure, I think, to to kind of look around us and see the people that have been so financially successful, um, people who have kind of made it to judgeships and partnerships, and those are our mentors, um, and we want to kind of be like them. But it's important to also, you know, be honest with ourselves and what what we actually like to do and what we want our um, our career to look like. So my changes have largely stemmed from, you know, being um, pushed in different directions, but then also kind of creating my own path as I, um, you know, adapted to those different directions. Well, sounds like you've been able to figure some things out that many of us haven't yet. Carleen, can you tell us what the sandwich generation means? Sure. Um, so I don't find myself currently in the sandwich generation, but it is for, um, you know, I'm um, I'm coming up on 40 and I've got younger kids, but my mom is still kind of, um, she's still very active and very around, right? So what it really is, is you're trying to manage um, both younger kids or kids that are growing up. Um, and this is really in your personal life, kids that are growing up and um, you're trying to parent them, parent them on their way up, but you still, you also find yourself managing things coming from your parents as well, um, or from some, you know, older relatives that you are caring for. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things when we're meeting colleagues and stuff, they may have things that are going on at home, um, that we want to understand as well, that is really putting a lot of pressure on them. I know there's, a, I'm sure there's a ton of folks that are um, maybe a little bit older than us that have their older parents living with us, li living with them, and also younger kids, and they're trying to deal, uh, you know, with all of that. Um, my, uh, my mom actually probably just went through a sandwich generation um, my grandmother passed away in June, but she was 96, you know, so she was, my mother was dealing a lot with her and my younger brother was also living at home. And so my mom had, you know, both of those things going on at once. And that's, you know, as people live longer and as it becomes more expensive for people to own a home. And, um, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot more of that, which puts a lot of home pressure on people who are also still trying to manage a career um, and trying to manage not just the sandwich generation at home, but, you know, managing um, more upper management at work along with mentorship of younger, younger folks. And it's, it's just a lot, it's a lot of pressure from a lot of different sides. A lot of pressure. <laughs> so Carlene, I know that you have spoken at the at some ABI events in the past about lawyer well-being, and I know you have your presentation that you've given is called the Sandwich Generation. So, can you tell me a little bit about why you started speaking on that, and sort of how it came to be for you? Yeah, sure. So, I was able to speak at CPEX last year. Um, it came at a time when it was towards the end of my time at Legal Aid. I worked on a two-year grant. And I was really confronting um, kind of what was coming next. It was also towards, I mean, what the end of the pandemic is, is kind of flexible, but um, it was kind of the end of a lot of ideas of 
the pandemic, a lot of, you know, school closures and office closures and all of those things. Um, and I really had to, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about where I was and what I wanted to be. And I'd had a lot of struggle with having my children at home. Um, I think we had talked about last fall was just a big, crazy, crazy nightmare in terms of kids being sick all the time. I was sick all the time. Um, I found kind of every aspect of my life was suffering a little bit because of a bunch of different reasons. Um, and I, I didn't feel alone at all um, in that. I felt like I have a big group of friends from law school that are kind of now all over the country, but we spend, we're all on a text chain and we all talk about it. And I think we were all in kind of this crazy, um, I don't want I don't want to use the word suffering, but we weren't doing our best. And so, um, and we all have different, we're all in a different place in our career and our family life, but we all had, um, you know, some struggles. And so I found that being able to talk about it with them um, really helped me. And I felt like I wanted, um, one, of, one of my passion projects is kind of uh, helping um, younger lawyers. Um, I was really lucky to have really great mentors at the law firms that I was at um, who are super successful now. And I found that um, being a mentor helps you become successful and, or at least feel successful. And, and I think this is something that, um, there was more talk about it, but there weren't a lot of kind of younger lawyers, um, as much as I can consider myself a younger lawyer, um, talking about it and kind of how, where to go from here and how to work with your, your family and your friendships and your career and be honest with yourself and kind of be, um, as successful as you can in all measures of what that might be. So that's kind of where this came from. Um, and I, I'm really excited to be part of this podcast and continue this conversation. Well, we appreciate you having the conversation with us too. You know, one thing that comes to mind as you said that is there is this whole new generation of lawyers. I know this is a podcast for young and new lawyers, but they're, you know, the immediate new lawyers over the last three years. This is all they know. All they know is, you know, hardly any CLEs that are in person, hardly any happy hours, you know, and we're just now starting, I guess over the last several months, we're starting to get back into that. But I can imagine that that is tough being a brand new lawyer. I had the benefit of having, you know, all of that stuff all the time when I was a young lawyer. So I can imagine that that would be a really hard thing. And I love what you said about, you know, I think we, I know, we're still young and new members on this podcast, but I think we have an obligation or at least a obligation is the wrong word, but um, to the extent possible, we really ought to do what we can to sort of help bring some of those brand new baby lawyers up to help them understand that, you know, it's okay to have work-life balance. You don't have yeah. to be glued to your computer all the time, all the time. There's days, you know, sure. I am not perfect. I yesterday was a day. Sometimes we just have them. Uh, but but I love what you said about sort of encouraging mentoring and yeah, absolutely. It's just you know, being a good 
role model um, to the to the younger lawyers and making sure that they know, um, like you said, that there's some sort of work-life balance that can exist. What that looks like for each person is different, um, but there's no reason to say yes to everything at work um, when you know your success can be found um, in other ways and in you know being yourself and finding those successes um, every day. What advice do you have for some of us who are, you know, eight, 10 years out from the beginning of our career? And we started our career having this expectation about what our lives would look like and things um, maybe haven't shaken out because we've had kids or had to follow our husbands to surgical residencies. Or even if things didn't change, you know, early on in this post-pandemic world, everything is different. People have this new idea of what life should look like, but how do we manage those expectations and sort of not allow ourselves to feel like we're failing because we're not doing what we set out to do when we were in law school? Yeah, um, that is a great question. I, you know, I struggle with that a lot. Um, I struggle with it because I'm, I see a lot of my friends um, who are super successful in what they do. They've kind of gone on that path that we all started at, um, or they've, you know, taken a more direct path than I have. And I do feel like sometimes that uh, I'm not kind of where I expected to be as a lawyer. Um, I think it's really important to take things maybe one day at a time um, and look at every day and say, like, what kind of you know successes did I have today? Um, instead of your path kind of across your life, which can change um, for any reason at all. I mean, our generation has seen, you know, a million things go wrong. I graduated college right before the major recession and went to law school right right around then when everybody was going to law school because they didn't know what to do. Um, And then graduated, you know, when it was just kind of coming up and then um, kind of, I guess, at the height of what yours and my career was or should have been or anything, we had this major global pandemic, which sent bankruptcy into a tailspin and completely changed everything. Um, So there's a couple of things, like, as I said, you just take it kind of one day at a time, you find the successes in, in every day, you find successes in other places that you might not have found um, successes in your, uh, when you're looking forward from starting your career. So, um, you know, when I, uh, when I started this new job, it's a really exciting job. I'm the, you know, fourth employee at this, at this company, which is actually really exciting. And it's really exciting to kind of have people um, depend on me. um, I think more so maybe than if I was at a bigger firm or, you know, you, you have a little kid who, my son is so smart and he knows this is crazy he knows every flag of every country and every territory um which is completely i don't know i don't even know what to say about it but um but that feels like a little bit of a success of mine that i've been able to foster that for him or um you know i took off a bunch of months from work and was able to you know help my husband navigate some things he became the associate Uh, program director for the surgery residency program here um, and able to navigate him starting this new job. And so you can find your successes kind of in other people around you in small things every day. Um, And then the other, the other part of this 
whole thing that I think I found really in the pandemic is that um, we kind of, uh, I saw this, um, this thing that my mother-in-law had said was, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. Um, and so we love everybody's, that. yeah, I, I just loved it. It was like one of those Facebook things, but like, I just, I was like, yes, this is completely relatable um, that, you know, we all aren't maybe suffering or dealing with things the exact same way, but this is happening to all of us and all of our careers are affected by this. Um, there's folks that are working at home with four little kids. There's folks that still have to go to work. Um, and there's, you know, there's folks that are sick at home. There's folks who's dealing with their older family members. Um, you know, I had just moved here right before the pandemic and didn't really know anyone. So it was a little bit isolating. Um, but everybody was going through something completely upending for both their family, um, for their friendships, for their community, and for their career. I mean, is anybody, I don't know of anybody's career um, other than, you know, maybe a few people is the same as what it was or what they expected it to be um, at the beginning of the pandemic as it is now, particularly people our age when that was such a, um, you know, that's the year everybody's kind of looking to make partner or looking to make a move to a different place or something. And um, there's just, it just upended everything. So when you're thinking about um, what kind of, when you're feeling like you're failing or you're not in the same place as you were, um, it's, I think it's really important to find community in that and think like, I mean, is, is anybody, right? Is anybody where they expected to be? I really appreciate what you said um, just now. And, you know, one of the things that comes to mind is that while everything changed in this post-pandemic world, we're starting to get to a point where people are, or employers are trying to force a, for example, return to the office and sort of try and uh, force everybody to go back to exactly where we were several years back. And uh, what are your thoughts on, is that feasible now for our generation? Is it something that you think makes sense? I mean, I get it from a productivity standpoint, but not from a well-being standpoint. So just would appreciate your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I My <laughs> thoughts on it change all the, all the time, and I think they are different now than they may have than they may have been um, maybe a year or so ago. Um, so I spent two years at Legal Aid the entire time I was at home. Um, so I was working from home and I had a baby during the pandemic. Um, when I started at Legal Aid, she was five months old. She was home with me every day, every day um, until she turned one and then was, and then started daycare a couple of days a week. Um, and I think that the uh, that was just not sustainable. Sustainable. That was just not sustainable. Um, but it had to happen, right? It's a different. If it's a different thing, if it has to happen, it's you know, 2021. I yeah. had a really hard time thinking about sending her to daycare when she was so small. Um, but it was there was way too much expected of us to be both, you know, a parent at home and work at home this right now i mean i think post pandemic is a little bit of a different world um 
the company I work for now doesn't actually have an office. We're all remote, um, which I think helps because we're all realistic about talking to each other on teams and making time for each other. And since we're all, I think everybody in this company is a little bit younger. So we're all understanding that there's no need to be in the office to have um, a collegial relationship and, uh, you know, spend time talking to each other. Um, I think that when we're talking about return to office, one of the things I think particularly people more in, more people in charge need to be realistic about is are you kind of expecting everyone to go to the office just to have them in the office um, or are you expecting them to be there for kind of a more co collegial um, atmosphere and be able to bounce things off of one, one another and I think that if you're kind of requiring more return to office you need to be honest with yourself about how much effort you are going to put in into mentoring the younger folks, making sure that you spend time, you yourself spend face time with the younger folks and um, the other people that you have asked to be in the office, because otherwise it feels a little bit more like a power struggle, which can impact people's mental health because if you're doing something that, is, that you feel is silly, and is requiring you to uh, commute however much time. I remember when I lived in Nashville, the traffic, I mean, the traffic was horrible trying to get down there. Um, and that's a different story than if you're commuting from, you know, your bedroom to the office. And um, so it's, it's, just, um, it's just a matter of being realistic and honest about what what you're looking for from your partners, from your employees, um, in terms of the collegial atmosphere and mentorship. Yeah, that, and that makes a lot of yeah. sense. So, um, you know, I, I certainly appreciate the option to work at home, but I know that there's other things that we can do to also be supporting, you know, our work-life balance outside of just working from home. And actually I'll add to that, um, while I think some people may appreciate working from home in an effort to support their work-life balance, there's probably a lot of people that are the exact opposite. I know, especially Absolutely. at the beginning of the pandemic, working from home was a mental struggle for me because I had no separation. So, right. you know, I went from feeling like I had a life outside of work to really not being able to disconnect. So um, I think there's pros and cons to that. But what are some other ways that we can support, you know, our well-being personally or the well-being of others that you would recommend and that you've seen sort of over the last several years? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that's really important, which I think you touched on just now that we've all had a struggle with a little bit with the work with working from home and probably just the idea of our profession and how kind of overtaking it can be is to make sure that you have some sort of identity outside of work or outside of being a parent or a partner or something and just making sure that you find time for yourself and what you like to do. I mean, that may be that your identity outside of, you know, things you're required for is that you really identify as um, 
you know, your partner's your best friend and you love to spend time with them and you do things together. Um, it could be that you, uh, your identity outside of work is that you are a parent or that you are, your identity outside of being a partner and a parent is that you're at work. Um, I personally like to find a little bit more. Um, so when I took off work, um, I started um, painting and I love it. And that to me is a little bit different. Um, and it gives me some time to um, have something really to myself. Um, but I think along all of our conversation has been this idea that we need to be kind of in tune with ourselves. And it sounds very new agey, but it's it's pretty simple. It's just, it's really about really knowing yourself um, and being honest with yourself and not trying to deny um, that you might like something that other people think is silly. Um, I don't think I'm very good at painting, but I really like it. So it's just that that kind of thing. And just being really honest with what you like and what and who you are. And I think that and, and just kind of feeding into that a little bit and making sure that to the extent you can do things for yourself, um, you do them because it makes your kind of whole life better. I find that it makes me work better um, if I'm more honest with myself and finding time with myself. Um, and it makes me a you know, I think a better parent and a better partner as well. Um, but just, you know, being in tune with yourself and being, giving yourself what you require. I agree with all of that. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And I love that you started painting. I hate painting. I want nothing to do with that. But for me, sometimes it's as simple as just stepping outside and getting the sun on my face for a couple of Absolutely. minutes, you know, especially on the days that I work from home. I have to be really intentional about making sure that I see something other than the inside of my office. So, yes. Um, but, you know, even just eating lunch outside or having your coffee outside in the morning, something like that can be really helpful, at least for me. Can you give us a couple of tips or practice pointers on things that you think would be helpful for young and new lawyers to do to sort of let go of societal expectations and uh, be willing to make changes if it helps our well-being? Sure. Um, I may have a few things. So um, first, I think, um, like I said, I think it's important to kind of take stock of where you are and where you are personally finding success. Um, and that may not be financially. It may not be in moving up in your career. What it may be is being the go-to person for some really niche thing. So um, you may be the, you know, the person to talk to about how to calculate escrow or something like that. Um, and that that could be your success. Or you could be the person that, um, you know, shows up for the younger lawyers and helps them if they're having a hard time with whatever it is they're having a hard time with. But make sure you're really taking stock and um, you understand what success looks like for you and not what it might look like for, um, for everybody else or for, you know, your colleague down the hall or something. Make sure you know what your successes are. Um, and I think kind of as a community, I think it's, a, it's a little bit of the same answer, but I think we, we may need to, again, 
you know, look at ourselves and look at internally and what, what are, what are we looking for from our younger lawyers? Um, are we looking for them to be a little bit more like well-rounded and so they don't burn out at your year four, year seven? Um, or, you know, what, what are we looking for from them? Um, and making sure that our younger lawyers, just like you said, have that kind of experience that maybe it's not going to be the same as we had when we were, um, when we were starting out and we were able to meet up in person and we were able to, you know, do a lot of traveling to, uh, whatever kind of in-person court day there might be, but making sure that they get the experience, um, that they need um, in order to be able to find those successes, either for themselves personally or for, you know, our community as a whole. Um, Because, you know, we're going to get older and we're going to move out of, um, we're we're going to leave behind, I guess, this generation. And so it's important to, you know, raise them up and make sure that they're able to find their own success. That makes a lot of sense. I really appreciate those two tips. Another question that just came to mind is, I know you're in sort of a JD alternative career right now. Is it possible to find this work-life balance being a lawyer or an accountant at a big four firm? Or, you know, can you do it? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I think, yes. Um, But I think you have to be honest with what your life looks like. Um, I think that if you have a, a, a spouse or partner with a high powered job, if you have, you know, a couple of kids that are requiring a lot of attention, um, you have to outsource some work and in, in order to have that work, work-life balance. Um, we had a wonderful nanny when we lived in Nashville who, um, I don't know if I could have done anything without her. Um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people get, you know, um, you're not feeling if you ask for help, if you um, get, you know, off hours, daycare, if you get nannies, um, if you do everything you can to find your own success. But there's no, I think there's no work-life balance without a lot of work on the work-life balance. So it's being really um, open and communicative with your partner of what you need. Um in terms of their involvement, what they might have to sacrifice either at work or at home, what you may need to sacrifice at work or at home, and what outsourcing you may need to do. So the balance requires a lot of work and it requires a lot of input from other folks. Um, if you're lucky enough to have uh, some sort of extended family near you, um, he- here outside Syracuse and in Nashville, we did not have extended families, so we had to um, outsource some more things. Um, but, you know, leaning on other folks that you can lean on is really important. You're not going to have, I don't think you're going to have work-life balance with a, you know, 2000 plus hour career for both partners plus, you know, multiple children with no extra help. Um, but if that's what you're looking for, um, there's I I think it's important to kind of look for what you need in order to make your life what you want it to look like is there anything else you would like to add I don't think so um I will just say um 
you know, make sure you're looking out for yourself. Make sure you're looking out for the ones under you and, um, and you know, your colleagues on the same level, your friends, your uh, colleagues that have difficulties at home. And, um, you know, if we're all looking out for each other in our community and we're looking out for ourselves, I think maybe we all will get that work-life balance one day. You're still hoping. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Carlene, thank you so much for your time and for being our first podcast guest. And for our our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to having you join us for future episodes of Fresh Start. Thank you very much. Thank you.